Hi everyone and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm episode 44 part 2. If you just randomly tuned in and have no idea what this podcast is about, the Sweet Spot is all about natural health. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals and anyone whose business and life's mission it is to keep the rest of us healthy in as natural way as possible. We talk about natural therapies, organic farming, herbal medicine, fitness and health in general and we also talk about healthy eating and food. This episode is no different as we talk about sourdough bread with Carl Stevens of Grain Bakehouse. If you haven't listened to the first part of this podcast, I recommend you tune in. We chatted about the benefits of sourdough and the difference between real bread and its mass-produced commercial sourdough imposter. And we had a little round about food in general. In this part, we talk some more about sourdough and Carl shares one of his favorite recipes incorporating his bread. Enjoy! What is out of all your base? Because you don't bake just bread. You're making the pizza base and you make your focaccia and make different types of bread. Yeah. Which one is your favorite and why? Oh, well, obviously, and I'm not just saying this, I like them all and I eat them all regularly because that's all I can eat anyway. Um, my favorite breads would be, it, do you know what? It changes with the seasons as well. In the summer, I would eat a lot more focaccias because... Like I said to you, whenever you were up getting yours the other week, um, you can use them on the barbecue if you're doing hot dogs, burgers, or whatever, things like that there. So obviously in the summer you're doing a bit more barbecuing, um, so we'd eat more focaccias. But generally my favourite, just to give you an answer, would be the Green Bay House, which is um, a blend of organic organic white um, flour and organic rye. Um, I just really like the flavour. That's, that's the most popular with the businesses as well, most of the... The majority of the businesses that I supply, that's their favourite. That's what they've got on the menus. And the second favourite would be, and sometimes it would be my first favourite, would be the um, Country Armagh, which is the whole meal, um, playing the whole meal in white flour. How do you come up with your, because you have like weekly specials and you make different flavoured breads, how do you come up with your ideas? It's just basically things that I like. And I know that, you know, it work. Um, and I've got, I've got sort of a blueprint of... You know, obviously in the early days I was experimenting a lot more with different combinations and what have you. But a lot of the time people now request, you know, because I always put the specials on anyway, people would say, when are you doing the caramelised onion, roasted garlic and rosemary again, for example? And I'd say, flip, I haven't done it in a while, I'll do it again for you next week. So sometimes it's my customers, but it's based on what I've already done. They, you know, they request, haven't had that in a while. Or just sometimes if I'm out shopping and, you know, what's seasonal or, you know, just something takes my eye. But generally I run like a sort of, I've got some sort of, you know, I've got one sort of down that I know work and I know people like that I just sort of rotate now after after initial messing about. But yeah, the, the, the chocolate one at Christmas blew everybody away. Yeah, what is that? What do you put in your chocolate one? Because I keep, everybody keeps talking about chocolate bread and I yeah. wanted to get a couple of times and you don't really make it. No, I reluctantly make it because it's it's a strange one business-wise because if I made it every week, I would sell out because um, everybody goes mad for it. It seems to me that you put chocolate in anything and people just go nuts. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they're, they're like wee mice. They're just like, ah. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a big chocolate lover so that's, that's the reason. Um, it took me a long time to get it right because... As I say, I love cooking and I like to get my flavour balances right no matter what I'm doing. If it's going out the door, it has to be it has to be seasoned right, it has to be the right flavour, you know, it has to it has to be bang on, otherwise I'm not happy to put it out there. And because I don't like chocolate overly, it was a hard one for me to taste. So my family 
uh, very reluctantly were my guinea pigs. Obviously not. <laughs> they were well happy. So yeah, I, um, I worked with them for a while. But to answer your question, what is in it? I use organic raw cacao. That's why it's so dark and so strong. It's, it's a proper grown-up chocolate flavour it's not messing about oh man um, I, next time you make it I'm, I'm, can I pre-book two loads please <laughs> because I am obsessed with like we currently have two kilos of organic raw cacao yeah. powder at home because we use it so much I make my own chocolate I put it into everything I put I we make chilies with raw cacao powder Class. in. like we put it into everything Brilliant. smoothies our porridge our whatever raw treats we're making <laughs> brownies everything so the fact that you use raw cacao powder it's absolutely amazing and i love how bitter it is yeah. so in combination with your sourdough yeah. it's like well, uber sour well you see that was the issue the issue was i'm i done a sugar detox i used to be again when i was on the building site bad with sugar i used to take sugar in my tea I used to take sugar in my coffee again lack of education and uh once i found out what sugar was doing to people especially processed heavily processed sugar I was like, right, okay, I need to stop this. So I went to sugar detox, and it was, it was actually one of the biggest changes that I noticed. I don't know whether you've ever done a sugar detox yourself, or whether you ever were that heavy on the sugar, but it was like coming off drugs. So it was, I got the worst headache. I, we actually booked, um, we went to see Queens of the Stone Age in Belfast, me and my wife, a band that I absolutely love. And was so looking forward to the gig, but for some reason decided to do my sugar detox and an alcohol detox, obviously because it has sugar before the gig, like a week before the gig. So I was doing a two, I was actually doing a month detox. Um, so it was two weeks in, and got the most awful headache and had to leave the gig after two songs. Just couldn't stick it, and uh, yeah, done the sugar detox. And since then, I reluctantly put sugar into anything. Um, so whenever I was making the chocolate sardo. Because of the bitterness, I had to, I didn't at the start, and it just the flavors just weren't working. Anybody tasted it was just too bitter, um, just too I'd strong. probably like that. Yeah, <laughs> well, so I had to end up putting sugar in. Um, cut a long story short, so just the not just the minimum that I could get away with, just to balance some of that bitterness out. The other ingredients I put in are Belgian um, chocolate um, drops, just again to bring because people. Whenever I first made them, I didn't put the, any chocolate in, uh, other than the dark cacao. People expected them with bits of chocolate, because it was a chocolate bread. So um, at Christmas, I was putting in building the best quality I could get, no nonsense in them. But um, yeah, chocolate drops and cranberries, um, dried cranberries that I was soaking. Um, and really to rehydrate and putting them back in, which really brought a nice cut free, the darkness of the chocolate. It was really, really nice. Oh, that sounds really nice. I would probably have issue with the sugar. Did you try stevia or something? Like yeah, I was at the start using jaggery, but it was just costing too much because of the expense mm. of the raw cacao and all the rest of it. So I'm just using um, I'm using organic brown um, sugar. Mm. So it's just still organic and it's still decent, but it's you know the jaggery was. But the jaggery, because it's not a sweet tea, wasn't bringing enough. I wonder, yeah. maybe, maybe liquid stevia. There's a girl who makes local stevia, and okay. you literally you don't need much, okay. so it might That'd be, be something yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm a little always... bit more cost-effective than your jaggery, because I know jaggery is really yeah, expensive. Yeah, it's too expensive, yeah. Uh, but it might be a better option for maybe people who are a bit scared of sugar. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, but I totally get you. Like I haven't been, I, I've been off sugar for 20 years. Class. 
and I even when I smell it like I can't eat normal chocolate like I, I don't understand how people can actually eat chocolate it's not chocolate to me it's, it's just sugar, sugar yeah. coated in brown powder it's just yeah. like I don't get it so we are obsessed with that's why we make our own chocolate at home and Cost. if we buy we only buy 100% cacao yeah. mass but um so you kind of go by just flavors, what you like then, and customer. Did you ever have maybe like customers coming up with some flavor suggestions that you ended up making? No, not really. No, I've had people, people just are constantly asking me to make the chocolate bread, to be honest. So they are, yeah, and I'm like, no, oh, you're no. really buggered by uh, that, yeah, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, um, yeah, they're like, when are you making chocolate bread again? And I try just to keep it like the one-off occasions, like obviously Christmas, I baked it the whole month coming up to Christmas. Because it's a celebratory time and people, you know, indulge and all that. And then around Easter and stuff where you know, there's Easter eggs and there is chocolate about and stuff. And um, yeah, I try and limit it because I like to do, even though I do love it, I, I like to express myself and I like to put out there what, you know, uh, part of part of what I do and part of what anybody does, you know, is really into their, their food or any profession is love. And that's part of what you're tasting in the bread. And I just don't have, I, I, I do love the chocolate sourdough, but I just don't, maybe I love my normal breads 100%, I'll maybe love it 95%. So <laughs> that, 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 that 5% is just making, put, putting me off producing it all the time. So. <laughs> um, but I love the fact that your, like your products, especially the Procaccia, it can, it can be like used in, in different ways. Mm. And as you suggested for the burgers, yeah. it's a fantastic idea. And actually we, well, first of all, when I picked it up here, uh, only half of it made it home. We ate half of Seriously? it in the car. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> it was just like, and I kept eating it and Stephen was driving and he just kept giving me dirty looks like, I'm eating this. Give me some, give me some, give me some. <laughs> so I was feeding him for Katia and we got home and there was like half of it Excellent. left. And it was huge. Like for, for listeners who never had Carl's for Katia, it's massive. Like it's a huge piece of food. <laughs> And we ate half of it, and then we cut half of it in squares, mm -hmm. and then halved it again for like make baps and yeah. put it in the freezer. It's 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 a beautiful piece of food. That's yeah. great that you had half of it, and and you couldn't take weight. I yeah. <laughs> See, and and we got home, and I thought, oh my god, I'm gonna be probably sick. Like this is not on, and nothing. Not an issue at all. That's, that's, ama that's amazing that, that make, it's stories like this that make what I do worthwhile because I know that I've had such good results myself but you'd be surprised the amount of the customers that I have um, that are the exact same who have been told that they can't eat bread ever again and then they've you know, maybe had a recommendation by a friend or somebody or whatever and they come to me and then the next thing I get a message or a call saying Carl thank you I can, I can actually eat bread again yeah. and that, that is beautiful you know, it makes it makes all the four o'clock starts and the cold. You know, going out and my 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 bakeries in the garage, making the cold starts. You know, it's freezing out there in the morning, especially this time of year. Worthwhile. It makes you know, it really does. So that's actually another question. You have your fully equipped bakery mm -hmm. in your garage now. Not job. How did you? <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> How did you end up doing that? Well, like I was talking about earlier on, members telling you that Dean phoned me and basically wanted these loaves. And so I, I started in my kitchen and I quickly realised that if this was going to happen, I needed more equipment. So I sourced a, a larger oven, but again, it was in my kitchen. So this big oven 
big fan of him, which isn't great for doing sorry, but it's all I could get at the time, was sitting in the middle of my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, so you can imagine that's not ideal. So for a couple of months, that was the case. I was able to produce many, was I, well, instead of producing two at a time, then I was maybe producing six at a time, which was a lot better. Um, yeah, it would have been about six. But as I said, I was a fan of him. It wasn't great. It wasn't doing what it needed to be doing. Um, but it got me going. So then I was like, right, okay, I need a premises. So I started looking about. And obviously, because it was a fledging business, I didn't have a great customer base. Um, taking on somewhere was a massive risk. Um, so I had my garage as a man cave, if you want to call it that. I had a pool table. I had a bar. I had a set of decks set up in the corner. You know, it was where me and, you know, the family and, you know, during the summer we'd have spent a lot of time out there when we were barbecuing, playing pool and having, having a beer and what have you. Um, I was like, right, okay, I've grew up a bit. I, I can maybe do a fit my man cave. So, <laughs> maybe, I was reluctant. You gave up your man cave I did. for a yes, for, for Yes, so if you're eating your sardo, you, you have to realise the sacrifices I've made here. You're a girl <laughs> So, yeah, no, so, actually my pool table's still there. That's actually my work my worktop. My work, my, <laughs> Yeah, where, where I actually make the bread. Next time you're going to have a look. I bought two um, white um, worktops from Ikea and I fixed them together and put them on top of the, the pool table. And the idea was always that I would remove the worktop and have a game of pool from time to time. But since I've had Green Bay House going, there hasn't been a game of pool. So there hasn't, so yeah. It's, but it makes a great worktop. So it is. It's, it's a well, work surface. It's great. Now, obviously not the pool table itself, but the worktop on top of it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I was just looked about and I wanted to give the business a chance to get going and it was too much risk initially to rent a premises um, and I had, I had the space there and it was being used as a man cave, you know, I could do without it and the thought of having a business that I was passionate about and loved instead of having a game I put every night again was a no-brainer. So yeah, I um, went about getting it ready and got it plumbed, got electrics upgraded, um, got its own electric feed in actually. And from my friend John Flynn, um, I went about sourcing equipment, and then got environmental health out and got the okay with them. Got my five star rating, and then opened the doors, and I haven't looked back since. So how long has it been since you got to your bakery approved now? Two two years now, yeah. How did you find uh, the customer base growing? It's uh, organically. That's how I would explain. You know, people. I don't. I don't advertise apart from uh, like everybody does Facebook and Instagram. Put pictures out there. Um, more, more so to let people know that what the spe- weekly specials are coming up and what have you. But just put pictures up. And if, uh, what I like doing is if people have got my produce and they take a picture, I like sharing that on my stories. You know, so that other people can see. Um, but other than that, I don't actually advertise at all. So it's just word of mouth, and that's the type of customer base that I want to attract. I want people who are into their food, who are coming for the right reasons, um, because they're 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 you know, they're like people like myself and like yourself that, you know, that's I don't want people well, I'm happy for anybody to come obviously, but I don't want to just advertise and get people just coming to try it and go away or whatever, you know. That's not that's not why I'm doing it. How do you work? Do you work just with pre-orders and do you you also supply it's, some businesses yeah yeah most you? of my businesses most of my business most of my trade is supplying cafes and restaurants um, it's mostly wholesale uh, the only day that I open to the public is a Saturday morning and that's only by pre-order um, just because it, I'm zero waste there's no waste at all the only 
waste that I have from my bakery is the the plastic sorry the plastic wrapping which is is a bit of my life that the pallets come on but I can't do anything about that. Uh, everything else is biodegradable. The, the bags that the flour come in are all paper bags, so they go into the compost heap or the recycling white the the cardboard recycling bin. Um, so it's a zero waste policy that I've got, and that's why it's pre-order only, which works quite well too then because there's no waste. Um, I usually bake a couple of extra loaves at the weekend in case somebody's mixed, missed out or if people are coming in they maybe won't fancy an extra loaf or and then if, if there is extra sitting there I wrap it up and stick it in the freezer and it does me and the family for the rest of the week so but yeah that's that's the reason that it's pre-order only just because I don't want to bake a load of loaves and maybe not be as busy that week and then you know possibly have waste if I don't have freezer space or what have you but, but on that the Sardo keeps exceptionally well. Like this is one of the things that cracks me up the most about the difference between commercially processed bread and my type of bread and people that make bread like me. Um, apparently, a lot of these things are put in to preserve the bread. A lot of these additives are to preserve the longevity of the bread. But if you leave a loaf of bread from the shop sitting on your counter, what's the first thing that'll happen? It'll go mouldy. Um, a Sardo loaf, if you leave it sitting on your counter, it doesn't form mould. If you wrap it in cling film, it will because of the moisture and, and whatever happens it will but if you just leave it in like the brown bags that I supply it in on your worktop it'll go eventually hard but uh, even at that if you have it sitting there you can use that just cutting bits off for a week no problem at all especially if you're toasting it what I like to do if you're making like a sandwich is if you've got a toaster big enough cut two slices and put them together and put them both into the same part of the toaster so you're just to toasting one side and then whenever you take it out flip it around and then use that as the inside. The outside of the bread's as soft as it really softens it up, um, so it makes a nice sandwich. But to get back to what I was saying, you can leave my bread sitting, and like I've I've done it as an experiment and left the bit sitting for two months. <laughs> yeah, just to see what would happen. What? Not one bit of mold. It's like a brick. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but whenever it goes like a brick, croutons, you know, put it in the blitzer, breadcrumbs, you know. That's you can... what my grandmother used to do. If we didn't eat the bread within like three days, she would actually put it on a radiator mm -hmm. and then she would sort of like grind it yep. into into croutons or into, you know, the thing that you coat sometimes. Like breadcrumbs. Like, like yeah. yeah. We didn't waste anything. No, it that's never it. went into no the bin. Yeah. No and also what she, what she would do uh, to preserve, to, to keep the bread and last longer and as fresh as possible she would wrap it in like a linen cloth mm -hmm. and keep it in the in the sort of like a bread box or even sitting on the counter but as long as it was wrapped in linen yeah there's a couple of people locally make uh i think it's made from beeswax the um like cloth type things yeah yeah apparently that's really really good for storing the sort of one. Oh, i can imagine it would be yeah yeah that is actually true because i remember whenever we whenever we moved from country to the city of Prague and my mum started buying the supermarket bread it would always go moldy like we would be throwing out after yep. three four days we would be throwing out bread that had green mold on top of it so my question is what's them, what are them preservatives apparently doing then yeah not much <laughs> strange but yeah no it's a good thing for people to know about the sort of generally it doesn't last that long anyway people usually have it used but if you have any we you know, like the end bits then about or whatever, just collect them up and blitz them and then you can freeze it and use it as you want, you know, as breadcrumbs or cut it up in the croutons and, you know, toss it in a wee bit of olive oil and you're making a nice salad and then just fire them through it. Gorgeous. Oh, you just gave me an idea. I haven't had salad with croutons in years. No. Oh, God. I'm <laughs> Straight home. That's what I'm going to do next. <laughs> Damn. <laughs>
do you have any plans to develop and grow your brain bank house? For well, you? yes and no. Yes, I've been looking, like I said, uh, we were talking off mic earlier on, uh, uh, me and my wife have been toying with the idea of um, buying a house in the country um, with five buildings and me having like a bake house like I have now but with possibly a cafe attached something like that which would be great but it's like we've really found it hard to find the right sort of place it's either the right place in completely the wrong area which you're not really going to get people to come to you'll always get people coming but you maybe not get as much because maybe up a wee lane that goes on for five miles and people don't want to take their nice cars up it or whatever um, or it's in the right area and it's not the right building mm-hmm. at all um, so yeah it, it, it has been in my train of thought for quite a while now whether it happens or not it's another thing if the right premises comes up it could happen tomorrow but um, yeah it, it would be dependent on the premises and like I said the other avenue that I've contemplated going down is like a which would be completely different would be like a Sardo pizzeria um, and possibly um, in the dead time during the day whenever pizzerias aren't open sell my bread from it and do like you know sandwiches to take away and you know things like that, like the focaccias or whatever and you know things like that um, there's, there's a load of ideas as I, said, as I was saying because I'm passionate about food there's there's nearly too many ideas in my head you know which is quite confusing at times you know, it's like, oh, sounds amazing though can you imagine good quality sourdough sandwiches as opposed to the Excuse my French, but the crap mm. <laughs> that you can buy in supermarkets and garages. Yeah. Like, this would be amazing for people who just really don't have any time to prepare fresh lunches and dinners. Yeah. The other option would be maybe to look into that a bit further and possibly do, which I have thought about. That's what I mean. There's nearly too many ideas. Like, do you like a, you know, like a sandwich, you know, package sandwich to supply to, like, garages or cafes or shops or whatever that, you know, is made with my produce? And using good local produce as well inside, it's another avenue. But I haven't really, I haven't really looked into that one too much. That I think more the the pizza side of things would maybe be a way to go because who doesn't like who doesn't like pizza? And exactly. Who, 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 who wouldn't like a pizza that's not going to cause them any gut issues? You know as well. Yeah. You'd have to think about cheese though, because loads that's, of people can't take yeah. dairy. True, but then there's plenty of pizzas that don't have cheese. You know, just yeah, but you can't have. It's wrong. Like pizza without cheese <laughs> is just wrong. There is vegan cheese and what have you, but any time that I have tasted it, it hasn't been great. Yeah, to be fair, it's not you'd have to figure out how to make your own like fermented nut cheese or something. Uh, yeah, a whole other avenue. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's your next ex- experiment. You're, you're now proficient in fermenting. Well, we can take that further. <laughs> well, since you're all about food. And and from what I gather, you obviously grow your own, and and you love eating I do what organic. I can. Yeah, I do what I can. I, I grow what I can. I, I wouldn't say we're self sufficient by any stretch of the imagination, just because number one, we don't have the climate, which is you know, and we don't have the land, and I I, I don't have the time now because I'm a lot of my time's taken up with Green Big House, um. But yeah, during the summer, I grow all my own tomatoes organically and what have you in the polytunnel, and then they filter into the breads and the focaccias whenever they're in season. Um, grow all my own herbs and again like if you get like a one of my specials that has like the rosemary on it for example that'll be from picked fresh from the garden that morning 
solo. Um, so, oh my god, um, that sounds amazing. <laughs> the smell of it. You're like the best baker ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that now. So, but no, no, I try to do what I can and I try to buy organic where I can, but like everybody, it's not as simple as that and I'm not a, a saint. You know, like you, you do what you can where you can, um, but it's it's hard to do it. I would love to be 100% organic. I would love to sit here and pretend that I am, but like everybody else, I'm, I'm not. You know, it's 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 unless you have acres and acres of land, or you live beside somebody who's who has acres and acres of land and is growing organic. It's very hard. You have to, you know, the produce is there and it is available, but you have to, unfortunately, in our country, go out of your way to get it, and it's not always you're not always able to do it. Um, but if if there's an organic option in the supermarket and things like potatoes where I absolutely think they have to be organic because of the ground that they're growing on, I, I always do buy organic, but you can get them. So people are buying more and more. Um, the guy, Dean Weir, that I was actually talking about earlier on, who does the organic raw milk, he actually in season grows his own um, organic uh, potatoes, carrots, onions. And he's, every year he's adding a wee bit more, so he delivers them on his run. So that's fantastic. You know, it's actually really lovely to see that a lot of cattle and dairy farmers are seeing the sense and mm -hmm. are shifting into not only organic, but into growing vegetables yeah. and dedicating more land to vegetables yeah. than actually raising cattle, which is amazing to yeah, see. Yeah, it is. It is. No, Dane's a great guy and he's fully organic himself. And he, he's nice, as I say, he's part of the reason that I got started and he comes on a Monday, delivers the milk to me. I take orders for his customers and freeze it. And he clacks it on a Monday and then delivers my bread to them with his milk. So the people, when in season, whenever he's growing his veg, people are getting organic veg, organic milk, and sourdough or, organic bread. sourdough bread. You know, it's amazing <laughs> for them. Lucky people. Yeah. <laughs> well, my next question is, I ask it to everyone, and since you eat a lot of veg, mm -hmm. um, what is your favourite vegetable? I've thought about this. Um... I love so many vegetables, but I would be if I would have had to choose. I would definitely go towards the brassica family, um, like cabbage and kale and stuff like that. Um, yeah, love love like even just like crispy kale in the oven. It's as a wee snack. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, <laughs> things like that. You know, there's a dish. I actually think I got it from Jamie Oliver originally. It's like a Tuscan um, dish, and it, it incorporates sardo. Um, obviously, um, it's steel sardo too, so it's another good way to use um, it up and cabbage and cheese. And if you can put like pinchetta or bacon in, if you want, if you're vegetarian, you don't have to. And again, um, if you're not vegetarian, vegetable stock, if you uh, or sorry, if you are vegetarian, vegetable stock, if you're not chicken stock, and you build it up like a lasagna in layers, and it's like a it's like a real hearty, especially this time of year with the, the snow and all that outside, um, it's like a real hearty um, soup stroke stew but it's gorgeous so it is it's really 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 good you use all different types of you use like uh, kale um, savoy cabbage you maybe use like two or three different types of cabbage and as I say the layers of sardo and then layers of cheese you can use you know fontana or whatever but all different types of cheese and just layer it all up and then bake it in the oven and it's it's nearly like a nearly looks like a lasagna but it's watery um, so as I say it's like a cross whenever you take a spoonful of it it's like a cross between soup and a stew gorgeous 
good. You sent me the exact recipe for I, that. I got the pickler for you, so that's oh, where the recipes are. Oh, yeah. fantastic! Great. I'll, I'll, for listeners, this will be available. I'll post it up, and it will be available for you to get from our social media because this sounds delicious. That's really good. I want to make it now because <laughs> I, I love kale and cabbage and all of that, yeah, and no, I've ran good. out of ideas. This sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> Class. Plus, I still have your bread in the freezer. Win win. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody wants to taste your bread mm-hmm. or whatever what is the best way to contact you and how people how can people order and how can they pick it up yeah the best way the easiest way and for me and for them is social media if they drop me a message they go on the green bake house page on instagram or facebook um, drop me a message a private message i'll get back them as soon as i can and forward my menu all, all the ordering and collection information's on the bottom of the menu um, and if there's any issues with intolerances to anything, let me know and I can generally sort that out. But on the most part, most of my produce, if like, I have to do a matrix for environmental health. You have to go through um, the possible allergens. And on all my matrixes, there's just one row that's filled in and it's gluten the whole way. There's no other um, allergens. Possibly sometimes if I was bringing in the specials, there could be possible, you know, worked in the factory with where there's nuts, things like that, which I have to make people aware of, and that's why I say, let me know if there is any issues with intolerances, and I can rule that out for them and check. But uh, other than that, though, there is nothing, so it's great. Um, so yeah, no, the easiest way to um, get in touch with me is social media. Um, they can drop me an email too um, if they want, or give me a call. But like I say, it's it's usually easier just for everybody because I can forward the menu. I know everything's explained on it, um, social media. And then I can look up and see pictures of the produce and what have you as well. And what can they order on a weekly basis? The full menu is available if they order. You've got up until um, 3 o'clock on a Thursday to order for pick-up on a Saturday between 10 and 11 in the morning. Um, and the only reason that window is, is there is because I've got deliveries before and I've got deliveries after. And unfortunately, that's, that's the only time I can allocate the, the people picking up. So, yeah, basically, they can get um, uh, organic sardo pittas, um, a pack of four, they come in. You can get organic sardo pizza bases, um, focaccia, um, plain or special that are run that week. Um, three different types of sardo. You've got your pano levan, which is um, plain white organic sardo. You've got your country armada, which is the blend of wholemeal and white sardo, or white flour sardo. And then the Green Bay House, which is the rye and white um, organic flour, sort of. Um, I learned that. That's basically my menu. I used to do things like uh, croissants and pan chocolates, which were gorgeous, but I just don't have them on ours now because I've got so many bread orders and I try to keep it vegan, the Bay House. So, yeah, I, I wanted to get the butter out of it, basically. As much as people loved it and as much as I liked doing it, um, I was going to have to invest in a lot more equipment because it was starting to ramp up the orders and stuff. So I just had to focus uh, on the bread side of things, which I'm happier with anyway because it keeps it keeps the whole area vegan. Um, Would it work with vegan butter? Um, I don't know. Um, you could try it. Might, it might work. But um, yeah, no. The idea of croissant. Oh my god! You just got my taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great. They're they're a labour of love. They're hard work to do. I was doing it all by hand, rolling it all. Out manually um, and they were sourdough as well yeah oh my god they were oh can you please make them again <laughs> <laughs> but no like I say I, I wanted to get them gone because I, I, my produce is all vegan 
and it's just easier to keep it that way. And you know, it's with environmental health and all too. It's just it's a lot. You know, whenever they come out, the, it's it's funny because they say normally whenever they go to businesses, if they check this, if they check that, and if they check the other, and like I was saying about the matrix, they're they're taken back by how simplistic mm. the process is and how little there is, you know, to go wrong basically, which is great. They're in and out in minutes. They're actually looking for problems. So, <laughs> so do you have apart from your specialist, do you have only three ingredients in all of your in the focaccia and your pitas? Yes. Yeah. Everything. The pitas, the pizzas, the focaccia, the sardo loaves, they're all free ingredients. Uh, and them ingredients are flour, water and Himalayan salt. The only difference between them is different combinations of flour, organic flour, that's the you know, or water. The hydration's a big element in sardo. Um, so obviously the pizza bases and the pitas will be less hydrated than like the sardo and the focaccia is more hydrated um, so basically yeah the only thing that di differentiates between the different produce is amounts of flour amounts of starter and amounts of water that's it they're all made from three fundamental ingredients and they all start from that starter there that's sitting in front of you amazing well thank you very much thank you very much it's been a pleasure I hope we convinced you to try some sourdough just make sure that you are buying the real deal if you are going to try it remember only three ingredients and 72 hours ferment do not settle for any less than that and as someone who used to suffer with ibd and ibs and a whole lot of food intolerances I can certainly confirm that I have absolutely no issues, no symptoms eating Carl's real sourdough bread, sourdough pizza. And I am very much looking forward to trying Carl's pita breads next. If you'd like to try Carl's bread, you can order directly from Carl via social media. Or if you'd like to try his bakes first, you can buy some or order through any of the following places in Northern Ireland. In Hillsborough, it's the Hara restaurant. In Moira, it's the Fine Coffee Company. The Shed in Maharaberry. The Copper Lab in Banbridge. And in Maharalin, it's the Farmgate Meats. As for his bread and cabbage recipe, the original recipe from Jamie Oliver can be found on www.food52.com. Uh, that's food and number five, number two, dot com, and search for Jamie Oliver's Italian bread and cabbage soup. Remember that all of the other recipes that have been shared on our podcast to date can be found on our social media, either in the file section of our public Facebook group page or as JPEGs on our Instagram posts for each of our episodes. And I really hope you will enjoy this one. And if you like this podcast, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Or leave us a comment on SoundCloud or our social media. It will really help us reach wider audience. And other than that, have a lovely couple of weeks. Try some sourdough and more importantly, stay healthy. Until next time. Bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening.